Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome into the Bears Illustrated Podcast. I am Garrett Ross alongside with my man Pernay Malampati. Pernay, what were your overall thoughts of uh, yesterday's game between Baylor and North Carolina? Can't say I was too happy with the result, but the, the team showed a lot of fight for sure. Um, they were down 25 points with just 10 minutes left in the second half, and Brady Manning goes out, and they start playing with a ton of energy. They're making shots. Adam Flagler goes on a personal like 8-0 or 10-0 run. Gets the team back within 15-ish points, and then everyone starts to step up. the The pressure the defense was putting on was really good, especially on transition or when when um, UNC was passing the ball in bounds. That's a big reason why they got back in the game. But just a lot of fight, tough. Yeah, I mean, look, it, when it was about halfway through the second half, I remember looking at some of the guys next to me in, on the, the press row, and we were like, this is over. You know, it, it's church for Baylor, and you got to give it to those guys uh, definitely fighting back the way they did. I was not expecting it. It was really remarkable, man, and you could just feel the energy in the building amplifying and amplifying. Um, you know, I hate to see that unfold the way it did with Brady Manick. Uh, that was a guy that, you know, he really put North Carolina on his back there. He was feeling it. He's familiar with Baylor. Um, there was a lot. Of, that was just a physical game in general. You kept seeing uh, Jeremy Sohan getting into it with the big man from North Carolina. Were you surprised or did that kind of remind you of just a week in, week out, um, f- kind of going through the motions of the Big 12 in general? Yeah, that that did remind me of how the Big 12 was this year. Very tough, very physical. And... I expected there to be a lot of fouls called because the Big 12 generally calls fewer fouls than they do in March Madness. They let them play out a bit more. I thought that would help Baylor throughout the tournament. But then there was just probably way too many fouls called or there was just a lot of inconsistency with the fouls. We've heard a lot of people say that this officiating crew shouldn't go on in the rest of the tournament. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, look, I, I think that was one of those things where it, I didn't like going to the monitor as many times as they did. Um, there were plenty of times for both teams where they had, you know, good things going in their favor. They just established some momentum and it kind of killed it. You know, we were walking out of the stadium yesterday and I was with Tom Barfield from 1660 ESPN radio in Waco. And we were kind of looking at each other like, 
did we really just go three hours in a basketball game? You know, like it was something you're used to that on, you know, Saturdays in uh, September when you're doing football. But, you know, I, I, I didn't like that aspect. But overall, I don't think that you should necessarily have an argument not to allow those guys to go on. I think they did a good job of controlling that game when it could have easily gotten out of hand with uh, Baycott and, and Sohan. Um, so I think that's kind of one of those things where we might be overstepping our boundaries a little bit, you know, but I do understand the aspect of let's speed this game up, especially if you're Kansas and Creighton, right? You're sitting there waiting in the wings and you're, you're trying to prepare for this game and you got a lot on your mind, you're bottling your emotions and you just keep having to delay it. You keep having to push that back. And I think that's really kind of a testament to those coaches, McDermott and um, to Bill Self, to be able to kind of control their team, keep their emotions in check. But yeah, I definitely can see the argument, dude, but uh, for me, I'm not feeling uh, having them go be not call any more games in this tournament. It's funny. I agree with you, but I'd actually go a step further and say I don't see the argument because there was a reason that they were doing what they were doing. Like obviously, there were wrong calls, but these are these are refs that are professional refs, and there's always going to be wrong calls made. Um, you were at the stadium. I was watching at home on TV, and the official. I mean. The announcers themselves said, we're going to see this game called tighter. Gene Steratore was on was on the game saying that because of what was going on between Baycott and Sohan. So, so it's just something where I, I actually don't see the argument because you got you got to at least give them another chance. If something like this happens again, then maybe, but not after just one game. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I, one thing for me... That was glaring yesterday, and we knew. I mean, coming in, Armando Baycott is a walking double double. The dude's going to get his. Oh yeah. Uh, but but Flo, he's played really well all all year long, and I was since really since Chama Chachawa went down, I was concerned about is Flo the guy? Can he step up, maintain these minutes, play smart basketball, stay out of trouble? And he showed that. Um, and he's been very efficient, dude. But yesterday, no points at all. Okay, you no points in the paint for Flo. And you had Matthew Meyer who went off the day before against Norfolk State and then did what he did all year long. He disappeared in the big moment offensively. He finished with 10 points. But, you know, and those are two guys that have super senior opportunities where they can come back. Um, I know Flo has talked about it. And uh, Meyer has already mentioned that he's out the door. You know, but would you look at those guys' performance throughout this tournament and really throughout the season – how would you put it in perspective and how would you generalize it as a whole now that it's come to an end? So I, I think those, those are two different situations. First of all, Meyer, he he was supposed to explode this year. I thought he was going to go off. I thought he was going to be the, one of the two stars of, of this team next to Flagler. And he just didn't. He had maybe one or two games where he played like we expected. But other than that, he, he wasn't able to make the shots that he's frankly been making – his Baylor during his Baylor career and he hasn't he wasn't able to take it to the next level I think that he still had a great career at Baylor he helped us win a national championship he he has energy he plays with passion but I I was really hoping for more for more for, from him and with Damba I honestly respect everything that he's done it he had a very tough assignment with Armando Baycott he was expending all his energy on defense doing what he could he just wasn't athletic enough to hang with Baycott and then on offense it's hard when you're when you're putting in all the energy on defense and then 
have to do it on offense as well. So I kind of give him a pass for this because he did what he could. As far as the season goes in general, I, I know for me, I think this is probably arguably the greatest coaching season that Scott Drew has put together in his time at Baylor. I mean, obviously that first season coming in, you're you're kind of putting your stamp on the identity or you're putting your identity on the situation and trying to clean up a drastic mess uh, going on that uh, that was under Bliss. But when you look at this season, all the adversity, you, you have the target on your back night in, night out, and then you get to this this tournament and you're just wounded walking in. And you know, what are your overall thoughts on the coaching job, not just by Coach Drew, but you know, Coach Tang and everybody across the board in general? Incredible. That's, that's the only way I can put it. It was absolutely incredible what they did with all the adversity that came along with this season. The team was 15-0, and 0, rolling number one in the country before the injury started. It started with Akinjo, and then it was Soshan, and then it was Cryer, who ended up only playing one game the rest of the season. And then when Chama Trashwa went out for the season, at that point, everyone was like, all right, well, Baylor's done. They don't have a big man that can play defense. They don't have, they don't have the complete roster that you need to put together – a championship run and while they weren't able to do that in March Madness they still tied with Kansas for the Big 12 regular season title and they just it was incredible how they're they were able to keep this team going along oh no doubt man no doubt and we mentioned Flo Thamba there uh, a second ago we mentioned Matthew Meyer as well like I said both of those guys have that extra year of eligibility that fifth year option to come back uh, so we're going to look into that coming up here in uh, segment two as well as some of the young guys Jeremy Sohan uh, and Kendall Brown both freshmen uh, LJ Choir, you know, he's young as well. He got hurt. Will he be back? Langston Love. We're going to get into this uh, next. We're going to take a look at the depth chart and the options of some of these players coming back, give our opinions and our thoughts. That's coming up next here on the Bears Illustrated Podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com.
Welcome back into the Bears Illustrated podcast. Garrett and Pernay here. Hey, Pernay, man, let's get into this. We talked a little bit right there beforehand, uh, some of these roster moves and stuff. And when you look in general, I know we touched on it briefly there, but Kendall, or let, let's go with Kendall and Jeremy here. When you look at these two guys, they're freshmen, they're dynamic at what they do, and they both have options to leave and possibly test the waters for the NBA draft. After watching these guys throughout the entirety of the season, the adversity and everything they've done in week in, week out, what are your thoughts on that? And as a Baylor alum, would you like to see those guys come back? I would for sure like to see both Kendall Brown and Jeremy Sohan come back. But obviously, can't blame them if they decide to go to the NBA and take their money. They'll both probably be first-round picks. And that, that comes along with millions of dollars and an opportunity to be NBA stars or at least NBA-level starters. And certainly can't blame them if they choose to do that. But I do think it would help Kendall Brown a lot to come back to Baylor because he has he has a lot of talent. He's athletic. He's long. He can shoot the three. He can play inside. He can drive it. And he can he can play well on defense because of his length and athleticism. But this season, to me, he just looked he looked kind of tentative on offense. I feel like he could use some more assertiveness. He could be more confident. And I think that if he comes back next year, he'll be coming in knowing that he's going to be one of the primary scorers and one of the primary people on offense. So he'll be able to develop that confidence. No, Sohan, I, he can do everything. I think he'll go. I couldn't agree with you more there on Kendall as far as offensive. I think early on and in games where he knew he had the clear advantage on the person guarding him, he was explosive. He was dynamic. He was a highlight reel, you know, uh, literally a walking highlight reel with all the dunks he was able to put up. But when you look later on in the year, some of these bigger games, even especially in the tournament, Hell, you can look at yesterday's game. He had six points, you know. Uh, this is a guy who tends to, even at Norfolk, he had two points, I think, for the entire game against Norfolk. He, he seemed like he would disappear. And, you know, I think he definitely needs to develop overall, but more so on the offensive end, like you say. I think he's he's a better defender than he is playing in on the offensive end of the, the court. For me, when I look at Jeremy, um, tremendous talent. I, I was really blown away by his ability to step up, move to that five, and bang down low when they needed him. When uh, Jonathan Chomachachua went out, I thought he really stepped up his game and got a little more aggressive. Um, I, I think he's better as a sixth man coming off the bench than he is starting. Um, but what I've learned the most about Jeremy Sohan really yesterday was this dude is tough. Like I wasn't sure that he had the make the 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 just the grittiness to get dirty when you had to, and they forced can uh, North Carolina forced his hand with that yesterday, and I think he did a really good job of keeping his composure. I think he did a good job of not backing down, not getting intimidated, and really putting the team on his back. Um, but overall, I think both of these guys you're looking at two 18 year olds that need more time to develop. Um, and you can look there throughout history. A lot of the times these guys will, and I understand the money aspect. Trust me. I, I understand the money aspect wanting to do for your family. Um, but at the same time, do you want to be able to do that for a long time? 
or do you want to be able to do that for one or two years? You know, and, and I feel like we're seeing more and more of these guys realize that they need more development in college basketball. That's why we're seeing older teams and we're seeing so much parity across the, the, the sport right now. And I feel like if you they can look at the, the players that went last year, right? Jared Butler's better than both of them. Macy Oteague is better than both of them. Davion Mitchell is way better than both of them. And only one of those guys right now are starting night in and night out and making leaps and bounds on the NBA level. And that's Davion. Okay. So I think even if you just look at that, that could tell you that you can stay at Baylor. You can develop under Coach Drew, Coach Tang and them and be better two or three years from now uh, than just rushing it and risking for a payday right now. That's fair. I, I think the other side of it would be to say that what if they come back and then they get injured and something happens and they don't get drafted, then um, that would be tough. But I definitely agree with you on Kendall. I think that Sohan, I think he could go to the NBA right now and be a contributor. I saw on Twitter, I think it was Sheehan Jairaya said that his comparison would be Boris Diaw. I think that's a great comparison because he can do everything he can do everything and then i agree with you that he should he should probably be coming off the bench as a sixth man but he'd be he'd be incredible yeah and i think you you bring up a good point and this is an excellent way to transition here um matthew meyer i think did that I, i think he he made the decision to come back for this season i guess and and truthfully i don't think he lived up to the expectation. You know, I, I think that this was a guy you're looking to be one of your senior yeah. leaders, come in, put the team on their back and go for 15, 20 a night. Um, and he frankly just didn't do that this season. I think it hurt his draft stock. I think he knows it. Um, yesterday during the postseason press, uh, post game press conference, he even mentioned, I've, I've been struggling all year scoring the ball, but I try to flip that and put an emphasis on my defense. He's done better on defense, but at the same time, he still has work to do. Um, so I understand that you know that that right there is a prime example of the risk reward. Um, so when you look at that and you take that into consideration, and Meyer does have that option to come back. I know he's already said he's more than likely gone. Um, do you think? What do you, do you think? How would you approach that if you're Meyer? If I'm Meyer, first I would look at. The players that Baylor is getting next season, who's going to be coming back, and then also adding Keontae George, Dylan Hunter, Langston Love, who tore his ACL, and seeing whether whether Meyer is going to get the option or the opportunity to explode again, because he had that opportunity this year and wasn't able to do it. So would the would the reward be enough? And does he think that he can do it? Um, and then see what NBA teams think of him, what agents are saying about where he might be drafted and then kind of decide on whether he should come back or just try to go to the NBA and develop there, maybe in the G league. Yeah. And see, and when I look at another, when you look at Flo Thamba, I think this is a guy who will take that option. Uh, for me, Flo is not ready for the NBA. I don't, I think that, you know, he could probably have some success in the G league, like you mentioned with Meyer, or he could definitely play overseas, which is obviously not a good option for him. He's, he's from the Republic of Congo. This guy's played all over the place, all over the world. So I don't think that would really bother him. I think that would be probably a better situation for him. Uh, but when you look at flow, do you think that he needs to come back one more year? Or do you think that he will take advantage of that extra year and be on the court for Baylor next season? I think Flo should come back next year. I think he should take advantage of that extra year. 
it would be great for Baylor. He's a great big man inside. If he keeps developing, he can play great defense. He can be a someone who's who helps facilitate the offense from the inside. And he he's seven feet tall. He's big, but frankly, he's just not athletic enough and not skilled enough to be an everyday contributor in the NBA. So I think that he'd come back, if he comes back to Baylor, he can help Baylor possibly make another run in the NCAA tournament. And he can also try to build his skills. And he'll have probably more opportunity to do that at Baylor than he would in either the G League or on an NBA bench. I couldn't agree with you more, man. And I don't know about you, dude, but my bracket is shot. It is just completely destroyed. It was done, frankly, Absolutely. after night one. So I want to get into that. I'm Houston won this morning. It's a new Big 12 team coming in. So coming up next, we're going to take a deep dive into March Madness as a whole. We'll look at some of the Big 12 teams, the upsets, discuss our brackets, and more. All that's coming up here next on the Bears Illustrated Podcast. Welcome back into the final segment here of the Bears Illustrated Podcast. I'm Garrett Ross, joined by my man Pernay. And Pernay, man, my bracket, bro, it, it died on me the very first night. I had Kentucky going to the Final Four. I had Iowa going to the Final Four. And both of them flat out get embarrassed. And, uh, you know, I think most people their bracket was gone. You know, I, I think everybody probably had Kentucky making a long run. I know a lot of people drank the Kool-Aid like I did on Iowa and had their bracket just completely shot to hell. How does your bracket look at this moment, man? What, what are you, what are you looking like? I have two brackets. Let's talk about the one that I focused on most. So I had, I had Baylor winning it all. That's Gonzo. I had UConn in the final four. They lost round one. And now I, I'm just down to Arizona making the final to give me like half half a good bracket, but it's just it's tough. There's been a good number of upsets, and honestly, there haven't been as many upsets as I feel like there usually are. But the upsets that have happened have been massive upsets, um, and I also don't know who's going to win it all. Like I, I feel like I I thought Gonzaga was overrated the entire season, and I still don't see them winning at all. I think that they'll lose maybe in the Elite Eight, and that'll destroy more brackets. Um, So what do you see going forward? Who do you think is going to make the Final Four maybe win it all? Man, you know, I think when when I see this North Carolina team, I was so impressed with them. Um, and then knowing the fact that Brady Manick got ejected and almost cost his team the game, with Baylor putting together that tremendous comeback. I think he's going to come back out on a mission. Uh, so when you see that, North Carolina, I, I do not see UCLA even coming close to messing with them. And, and I look, I really like UCLA. I love Tiger Campbell. Um, but watching them, I think North Carolina right now could have a deep run uh, and, and make a push. And then for me also, I, you know – I still like Arizona. I had them pick to win it all. Um, so I'm going to stick with that. But I really like Houston, man. I've been really impressed with Houston. I knew they were good from last year, obviously. Final four team. Kelvin Sampson is tremendous. 
and I thought they kind of you know lost some of that, but completely wrong. Uh, they're a phenomenal team. I would love to see them make a run and get back into the Final Four. Um, Kansas, I think, definitely has the one of the easiest tracks now with Iowa getting bounced. I think Kansas has a clear-cut way to get into the Final Four as well. And, and I, like you, man, Gonzaga is one of those teams where year in and year out, um, I, I love Mark Few. I think he's what he's been able to build up there. I remember when they burst onto the scene, dude, and Andrew Morrison and his little, you know, mustache thing he had going on and the shaggy hair. You know, it, it was like, okay, this is cool. We can kind of relate to this dude. Well, I could. And then, um, then you see it like what he's been able to do. And he's but now Mark Few's recruiting on this this national level. Um, but at the same time. Their body of work, when you're playing in that West Coast Conference, it's going to catch up with them eventually. It almost caught up with them last night. And I agree with you, man. I think that when they meet Texas Tech, it barring Texas Tech getting by Notre Dame, Notre Dame is hot right now, but I love what Texas Tech has going on. I think that we can see two Big 12 teams in Kansas and Texas Tech in the Final Four, as well as North Carolina and Arizona right now. That's That's what I'm seeing. Yeah, I can certainly see that, too. I would probably say Texas Tech is the favorite in that race. Well, I, they're not the favorite because Gonzaga is the favorite. But I I don't think Gonzaga has championship DNA. I think Texas Tech or maybe Duke will make it out of that region. I think that either Arizona or Villanova will make it out of the South. Villanova looks really good right now. They're yes. very fundamentally sound. Colin Gillespie is playing really well. Jay Wright's probably one of the top three, four coaches in college basketball. I could certainly see Villanova making a long run in this tournament. And then in the East, I pro- I think I agree with you. I think North Carolina will make it out. Texas and Purdue play later today. The winner of that game gets St. Peter's and could get either UNC or UCLA in the Elite Eight. I, can't, I don't see Purdue beating either UNC or UCLA just because their defense isn't good. It's almost out of the top 100. They can't create turnovers. They can't guard the three. Texas, I actually could see them making the Final Four, but I think I favor UNC. And then and in the other region, I'd probably also pick Kansas. Auburn is sitting there at two, but they've been fading in their – they haven't really beaten many great teams away from home. And I don't see them beating Kansas see, in an unusual site. And for me, when I look at Texas in this Purdue matchup, it's very intriguing. I don't know that – I, you know, if Texas can shoot and take advantage of the spacing, I think they can wear Purdue out, but they cannot afford to let the Purdue slow this game down and, you know, make it into a half court matchup where they're just annihilating the horns in the paint. And I think that's what they're going to try to do because Texas is, is one of those teams and Texas is tough and, you know, and, but at the same time. I think that they're vulnerable inside, and that's the one key that you have there if you're Purdue. Um, and right now, man, Iowa State is up on Wisconsin 30-28 to at 15-31, remaining in the second half. This is a team, dude, where Iowa State, you, you, uh, you might get 30 points from a one night. You might get 70. You never know what you're going to get with them, but right now I think they're doing a good job. I didn't think this was a favorable matchup. Honestly, I had Wisconsin um, going into the Elite Eight and getting beat by Iowa, or, yeah, getting beat by Iowa. But, it's a, you know, the Cyclones are holding their own right now. Um, and then Houston this morning, like we mentioned, they're looking really good. But did you have... 
a Cinderella? Like, was, was there somebody that's doing what St. Peter's is doing right now that you had in mind? I know for me, I had Vermont. I thought Vermont was going to be that team that can make a run and do kind of what St. Peter's is doing. But did you have a team in mind that you were looking at as a Cinderella? All right, I guess let's clear this up. So what do you consider a Cinderella? How far do they have to go? What's what's the highest possible seed? Do Power 5 teams count? Uh, I mean, for me, a Cinderella wouldn't be a Power 5 team. It would be, you know, like a St. Peter's, like a... You know, one of these these teams that you don't really hear of going on a run, those Loyola Marymounts and Loyola Chicago's and stuff, that that to me would be a Cinderella. But let, let me hear who's your who's your Power Five team that you're thinking of. Well, let's think of Indiana, but they're a blue blood, so yeah. I guess that wouldn't count. Um, the other team that I thought could do it would be San Diego or South Dakota State because they were either the best or the second best three point shooting team in the country. And in March Madness, if you can shoot the three, you can win a couple games. They they went out in the first round. I, f- I forget who it was. It might have been – no, it wasn't Arkansas. It was one of the four seeds, I think. But they weren't able to do it. I think that's that's the one team that I thought could be a Cinderella. As far as the remaining games that we're going to have tonight, we mentioned Texas-Purdue. That's coming up at 840. Uh, Arizona-TCU, that game is going to come up at 940. Game. What are your thoughts on that matchup? The other game we're going to have is Auburn and Miami, but let's really focus in on these Big 12 matchups and TCU and Arizona. I Look, Jamie Dixon, what he's been able to do up there and transform that program has been really remarkable. Uh, Micah Peavy is phenomenal when he's on. I, I was kind of surprised to see him transfer there. I thought he might have been one of those ones to follow Chris Beard to Austin, but he didn't, which is cool. I like him carving his own his own path. And when you look at Miles, um, I think that he is one of the one of the better players in the nation. I hate that he got hurt in the Big Twelve tournament. I'm glad that he's back. But what are your overall impressions of the Frogs? And do you think they have a chance to push Arizona, who is right now the favorite in the field? I actually do think that TCU could take out Arizona tonight. TCU has a lot of great games recently. They beat Kansas. They almost beat Kansas again. And then they destroyed their first-round opponent, who was a Seton Hall. They, they yeah. absolutely destroyed Seton Hall. Jamie Dixon's a great coach. He was great at Pitt, won the Big East a couple times, and then came to TCU and is doing really good things. He knows how to run the team. He knows how to how to call plays in game and he's I think he's a good in-game coach. I could see I could see TCU taking Arizona for a ride tonight, especially because Tommy Lloyd isn't really used to March Madness. He hasn't had that much experience. And TCU playing the Big 12, the Big 12 is definitely the best conference. I think we can establish that now with what all of these teams are doing. I could see TCU winning and I frankly think that Texas should be favored in this game against Purdue. Man, I, I completely agree with you on that one. And hopefully, you know, all of these teams can get a win and the Big 12 can have a, a really sound showing heading into the Sweet 16. Uh, but, you know, we're going to have to let the, the these games unfold and everything, and we will touch base and, and uh, come back around with that. But that's all the time we have today. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. We're going to try to come about two or three episodes a week. I know for me this week, I uh, on the website, and don't forget, go to our website, bearsillustrated.com. We have uh, wall-to-wall coverage from recruiting, uh, basketball, 
baseball, everything you want, it's on there. Uh, BearsIllustrated.com. I know for me this week, I got some player profiles coming up. Uh, Peyton Pierce, the linebacker from Lucas Lovejoy, uh, and some other some some stuff that we had picked up from the Under Armour camp. Uh, Pernay, what do you got that you on uh, on your docket for this week? So I interviewed a couple of players, a couple of recruits. I I'll have video interviews and articles about Corey Huff and Trey Emery coming up. Trey Emery is a 2022 D lineman. Corey Huff is a 2023 safety. Both really good recruits that that are that are gonna do good things at Baylor. So that'll be fun and really excited to keep doing this podcast following March Madness and then recruiting football, basketball, baseball. Uh, tell so, us a little bit about that, about the YouTube. Where can other people find our YouTube channel? So you can find our YouTube channel. It's Bears Illustrated. It's on YouTube. We have a couple interviews up right now, um, including Torian York, who's a 2023 commit, as well as Connor Stroh, who's a recruit for the 2023 class who Baylor has offered. We also have a talk with, one of the one of the guys from Cincinnati's twenty four seven sports page, and that's a deep dive into Cincinnati football. Who will be joining the Big Twelve recently? So that'll be really. I think that's cool to watch, um, and we'll, we'll be adding more videos in the future. Hopefully, even putting these podcasts up on the YouTube channel. Awesome. So as you can see, we got you covered wall to wall, everything you want. Baylor's right right here on the Bears Illustrated uh, across the board, everything. BearsIllustrated.com, Bears Illustrated YouTube channel, and the Bears Illustrated podcast. We appreciate all of you for listening. We appreciate our subscribers. We appreciate everything y'all do to us. We do this for you, and we hope you enjoy it. This is the Bears Illustrated podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.